Welcome in to Monday Madness Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festenstein, your host of the program, starting the week off fresh, talking the latest in the world of sports. This is episode 183, all the way from Harper College Radio to Radio DePaul Sports, now recording in my home on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Let's get it going today. It is going to be a very good episode. Jam-packed, you may say. Talking off-season in NHL and NBA in October. Never happened in the history of sports, or at least in the history of those two leagues. But here we are, October 12th, 2020. So let's get it going. Very exciting stuff. As we get set here for the 183rd episode of Monday Madness Sports Talk. A little bit of different recording environment this week as I'm in my room because my father has finally utilized the office space in the basement. I am taking a stab at my dad for that, but it was just for a joke. <laughs> I'm just messing with him. It's okay, just as well. I love recording in my bedroom. I actually did that for the first four episodes I did as a podcast, and now I'm back uh, in my bedroom, which is still a pretty good recording environment. I got two monitors instead of one, which is nice, so I can use that to my advantage. Um, but I know other teams have utilized other things to their advantage, to the likings of the Los Angeles Lakers last night, winning the NBA championship. Championship for the 17th time in NBA history, tying the Boston Celtics for most all-time titles, and I believe that the Lakers are on their way to claiming that, I would say, top of the mountain in terms of titles. You know, you got the New York Yankees in baseball, you got um, the Red Wings in hockey, um, it, it, it's, there's a lot of Speculation as to where this this next season's gonna go. How's this next season? How's this next season going to play out? Now ending at the time where it was supposed to start, which is weird. So I thought about yesterday. It was a season over a year. You've never seen a sports season go over a year, and that's something very uh, rare. Um, it's almost as if they didn't really have an off season, even though the whole coronavirus hiatus was the entire offseason as is i'm gonna get into more detail about that i'm actually gonna start the show off with basketball today because i feel like that's the number one point of emphasis today considering what happened last night with the lakers winning the championship i also want to talk about the miami heat and their amazing i would say effort especially jimmy butler Duncan robinson tyler hero etc out of bio had a fantastic game yesterday even though they got blown out um so we'll get into that in the first segment second segment um is gonna be nhl because i want to talk about the two leagues that are now officially in offseason a little bit of a segment in nhl because i want to talk about free agency Corey crawford of course did not sign with the chicago blackhawks and now has signed a two-year deal with the new jersey devils i'll talk about maybe the blackhawks potential goalie situation and uh, maybe other options the Blackhawks can use in the free agent market. 
Um, next up, I'll do MLB playoffs. We got the ALCS, NLCS going on right now. NLCS gets underway tonight. Um, ALCS game two happens today, of course, last night. The Tampa Bay Rays pulling off a 2-1 victory over the Houston Astros in the first game. And then we got the Los Angeles Dodgers and Atlanta Braves tonight. It's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, I think Fires is going on. And I'm, I think Bueller and Fires should be the matchup in that one. Um, which is a fantastic pitching matchup, but Fires is the best pitcher, I would say, in the National League by uh, a landslide, with the exception maybe Trevor Bauer and then maybe a little bit of a U Darvish um, to back that up. Uh, and then to end the show today, um, yeah, I already, uh, I, I, I got to get into some week three in NFL, or week five matter, for that matter, in NFL action. So week five, um, with the Chicago Bears winning on Thursday, maybe talk a little bit about that. Uh, and then to finalize the show, I'll probably get into some UFC. Talk about this fight night we saw this past weekend. Um, it was Morias versus Sandhagen, and also an unbelievable knockout that I want to talk about. Um, because it was just that unbelievable, I guess. Uh, alrighty, so that is that for today's episode of Money Man Sports Talk, 183rd episode here on October 12th, 2020. I will be back in just a bit here to start it off with basketball. Right quick, stay tuned. The Lakers will win game six. And now Cook can just dribble it out. And J.R. Smith already shirtless. <laughs> Final seconds here in this NBA season. The respect from those two. And that's it. It's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble. And banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Welcome back to Monday Mass Sports Talk. My name is Noah Fessisting, bringing you back in here to the first segment of the day here on episode 183. So that is Lost Kings. Don't kill my high, because I'm sure the high that Jimmy Butler was on after game five was, well, pretty high. Um, and I'm sure that his exhaustion levels were pretty high, too, after playing nearly all of the entirety of the game. Only but 47 seconds Jimmy Butler played in Game 5, and you can see it in his exhaustion in Game 6 with the Lakers absolutely walloping from point A to point Z, winning the game by a score of 106 to 93. Let's look at the stats, even though the stats are... <laughs> aren't even being given to me on Google, so I don't know why, but I know that Jay Butler did not have his infamous game that he was looking for once again to help the Miami Heat once again at least survive another day. To me, it was about it was it, it, it was a matter of time before the Heat lost. Let's look at the Heat's wins, you know. Look at game three. 
when they won 115 to 104. They they missed two of their starting players in their lineup, and the Heat still won behind the great efforts of Jimmy Butler. And you can't do that for so long. You know, greatness only lasts due to the I would say element of exhaustion. I mean, you you can't keep up that effort seven games in a series. I know Jimmy Jimmy Butler hasn't been in the finals before and this has been new this is something new to him. This is not something new to LeBron James. This is his fourth NBA title out of five chances or six chances for that matter. Um and experience matters and when you're pushing down the line LeBron James defensively and offensively showed up and that's why he won finals MVPs because on each side of the court LeBron James was there and at 35 years old are you kidding me I want to talk about I don't talk about LeBron James much um and a lot of people I would say are very adamant on him being the greatest of all time people are saying oh He's not the greatest of all time because he got Michael Jordan with his six rings. And last week on the show when I was talking to Caesar and James, I was like, that's BS. Why are you comparing LeBron James to Michael Jordan? Why? That doesn't make any sense. Two different eras, two different players stylistically that have accomplished unbelievable things respectively. I think... When I do compare LeBron James to that kind of guy who's won six titles... Michael Jordan did it with the same team. He did it with the Chicago Bulls, which makes him a great in Chicago Bulls history. LeBron James has uh, engraved his name in the lure of three different teams. You know, the Cleveland Cavaliers, I would say, is the most ideal, the most notable, because that's where he's from. He's from he's a he's an Akron kid, so he wants to win a title for his hometown city. Couldn't do that initially after in 2010 then moving to Miami winning the two championships that he won there going back to Cleveland then winning a championship there then goes to LA as a you know a 34 33 34 year old and wins a championship there of course with the helping hands of Anthony Davis which definitely is the player he needed to make a title run. So shout out to the Lakers organization for making that happen because if that wasn't the case, I don't think LeBron would have made it as far as he did this season without Anthony Davis. Also, Alex Caruso. uh, I didn't really see Kuzma this series, so I'm not going to say his name. But you you get the point. You know, LeBron James had what he needed. He took advantage of it and won the NBA Finals. Simply said. So, here's here's my little thing about LeBron James. Um, he's the greatest of this era. He's the greatest of this generation. No doubt. Period. The things that he has accomplished, I don't think can be mirrored by any other basketball in the future. You know, his storyline is what sets, it, sets himself apart. Like I just mentioned, moving away from Cleveland, going back to Cleveland, winning a championship that he promised Cleveland to do. Goes to LA. Every single team he played for, he has won a championship for. I don't, I can't recall any other NBA player that has done that. I think that's what makes him great in this era. That's what differed from the Michael Jordan era. Michael Jordan didn't win three championships with three different teams. You want it with the same team. This 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 era we're living in right now, let's embrace what we're seeing 
instead of comparing LeBron James to Jordan, even though I'm kind of doing that right now, let's embrace what we're watching in LeBron. Because first of all, this he's not done. He's got a couple of years left. So we still got more greatness to see. So let's embrace it. Let's just watch the greatness happen. And that's what we saw last night with LeBron James winning his fourth NBA title was greatness being assured. I mean, if it wasn't assured enough, but um, I'm out of words. I'm out of... I'm out of compliments for LeBron James. I've complimented him too much, but this guy, this guy is a force, not in just the NBA, but in the in in the sports world. Um, you know, people look at basketball, and the superstar they think nowadays is LeBron James. They're not thinking of N- MVP Jazz Antetokounmpo because he didn't do anything in the playoffs. They're not think. I thought that LeBron James should have won it this year. To be honest with you, um, no one's thinking about Luka Doncic right now because Luka Doncic is out. It's all about LeBron James. At, at, at some point, every other year, it's all about LeBron James. You don't stop hearing his name. He's the best player of this era because of that. Because you just can't forget the greatness that is LeBron James. You just don't. Um, so that, that's my that's my spiel on LeBron. Um, I'm not... I don't have a crush on LeBron, but I'm very attracted to how he played. Um, I have fun. I have fun watching him play. He's so dominant. I also have fun playing with him in NBA 2K. It's just he's so. It's like a cheat code. He's so dominant. Um, that's all I gotta say about him. I'm done. Uh, let's talk about the Heat quick. Uh, I'm very impressed with the Miami Heat. I, I mean. Going through the Eastern, it's a it's a tough Eastern Conference, and he they they, they steamroll through the Eastern Conference to the Eastern Conference Finals, winning the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, no one thought that they probably would against the Boston Celtics. Imagine if it was Boston Celtics LA Lakers uh, series again. Um, but what this Miami Heat team has done under head coach Eric Spolstra who was very emotional in his post-game press conference because he was very engaged in the series, thinking that if he can coach to an extent, that he can help this team win a championship. But, of course, he didn't. Still, I have a lot of respect for this guy. He's, he's won a championship himself, but he's, like, very respectable in how he was able to coach this team to an NBA Finals. Honestly... I'll put him up for coach of the year. Same thing goes for, of course, Lakers head coach, Frank Vogel, um, coach of the year. So, I don't know. I, I would say Eric Spolstra, that's that's my pick for a coach of the year. He brought this team to a championship with with what he had. And that's what a, co- a good coach does, is you play, you play good with what you have. And, you know, us from the fan base, from the sports analyst perspectives, if we don't think what you have is good enough, we're not going to bet on you. And Miami wasn't a team that was betted on this whole season, even though some people were like, yeah, this team is for real. And they saw that. Eric Spolster saw that. And guess what he did? He brought this team to the finals, two wins away from winning a championship. And all all respect to that team. Much respect. Miami had a great run with sports in the past couple weeks with the Marlins being in the playoffs, Miami Heat going on. 
Now it's all about LA, apparently. LA winning a championship. Now the Dodgers are are, gonna, are in the uh, National League Championship Series. You can see two LA championships this season. And maybe the Rams or Chargers. Who knows? Um, but it's just been such a great NBA Finals. Um, also, and I was talking about it a couple weeks ago. I wasn't talking as much NBA Finals because I'm not as engaged in it as I was maybe in the NHL Finals and of course at the time the Cubs being in the playoffs um, but hats off to the NBA and what they were able to accomplish in the bubble um, no one ever thought that they were going to be able to pull it off like that first of all at the beginning it was a little sketchy because there was um, one positive test here and there but ever since then it's been no problem for the NBA They all of their protocols there's safety um, procedures. Everything was spot on. And they made it happen. And it was entertaining. And the players had fun with it. And it was a very good, I would say, sandbox lesson for future pandemics. I mean, I'm not even considering what's going to happen next season. What happened this season with the NBA and all other sports for that matter is they've set standards for the future. In regard to showing why why sports are important in this world, to keep it going, because it brings people together. The NBA Finals, no one's there, but people are still together watching it, enjoying it, enjoying the action. And the NBA wanted to bring that out. They, they wanted fans to be able to feel the energy even with nobody there. And it worked. Even for the NHL, it worked. I enjoyed watching the NBA and uh, NHL Stanley Cup Finals. I enjoyed that. Honestly, I enjoyed no fans. It was something unique. It was something that I, I personally am never going to forget. And hopefully, at the time when I do become a sports analyst with whatever with whoever I'm working with, is that if this happens again, I'll be able to experience it firsthand. Um. It was a very special season. Uh, obviously, no other season has gone over a year, and no other season has had an off season in October or November. And hopefully, in December, we'll be able to play basketball again, or we play play hockey again. That's what I'm looking forward to. And of course, I'll be covering that um, through the next few episodes of Money Mass Sports Talk. Is where where is sports going to go next? As we're in the off season here in October, baseball is about to end. Next show, I'll probably be able to be able to cover the World Series, maybe the the lasting uh, moments of the ch- championship series. But that's it. Then that football, that's it. Um. So the way the NBA was able to put themselves in a bubble, isolate themselves in Orlando, um, for that matter, it, it, it's impressive. I'm impressed. Adam Silver, unbelievable job. Very nicely done. Also, the virtual fan experience, that's really cool. Um, setting standards. Setting, you know, you know, those efforts are what brings up those ratings. And I feel like they, they, they succeeded in it. And we saw the Lakers win like we wanted to. And I also want to make one point before I end basketball here. Um, it's Kobe Bryant. You know, go back to episode one. What was it? I have to go hold on. I have to go on my Spotify to Monday Mass Sports. I forgot what episode it was. I think it was 159, if I'm correct. 
uh, that talked about, that was the Kobe Bryant incident. I had a show on January 27th, the day after the Kobe tragedy. Um, yeah, 159. You could search it up on Spotify. It was a very, very emotional show I had that day in the Radio DePaul Sports Studio. Um, I think this is retribution, if that's one word to say about it. I'm 100% certain that Kobe is looking down from heaven right now and smiling and it's it's emotional to now look back on it. I was thinking about it last night on my drive home from watching the game about Kobe and it made me a little emotional to think about it again like that and what the Lakers were able to accomplish this season. You don't script this stuff. You know, some major tragedy happens in January with Kobe's death. Then the pandemic strikes then we have all these social justice issues with um, the BML, uh, BLM movement. It To run sports through that, through all of that, especially the pandemic, Kobe Bryant's death was one thing, obviously, and that led to another, one, which was the pandemic. And then I, Kobe's death did not lead into pandemic, but you understand what I mean. I think that this was supposed to happen. Lakers were supposed to win this championship. From a spiritual standpoint, the Lakers were supposed to win this championship. Because of, of course, what happened in January. But when I look at the Lakers and I see how they played. They played with the Mamba mentality element. They were able to work left and right, day in and day out, regardless of what's going on in the world. They're going to keep working for what they want to accomplish. And what they accomplished was an NBA title. I would assume that Kobe was a motivation with the Kobe Bryant jerseys and everything. That's got to be a motivation. I feel like Kobe was the sixth man on the court. This entire playoffs for the LA Lakers. The entire rest of the season, for that matter. Because spiritually, I think he was there. I'm not joking. I, I, I don't talk about this a lot on my sports talk show, but I'm a very spiritual person. I I, I believe in that kind of stuff. I, I think that um, energy is very important. And the energy that was with this Los Angeles Lakers team, this playoffs, the, the rest of the season, um, following that tragedy in January... Um, the energy was different. And as emotionally inclined as, as it was, the energy was different. And it was very spiritual. And that's what I feel like helped propel this LA Lakers team to a championship. As much as they do have probably the best player pairings on in the league, it's their energy was just different. I remember watching the LA Lakers before January 26th. And after all that and the the difference between before and after in terms of their style of play and their energy it just felt different and I feel like that's what helped like I said propel them to an NBA championship um but I'm very happy I think this is all for Kobe the championship I'm sure that Kobe is holding his in, in heaven he's got his rings palm to his finger saying we did it again
So, yeah, that's basketball today. Good basketball segment. I enjoyed it. Um, I don't really go this much in basketball too much. I'm not as inclined in basketball, but hey, not bad. Not bad at all. Um, we're going to go from NBA basketball to NHL hockey. Um, first off, the audio I played before in this segment with the NBA Finals, the final seconds. Thank you to NBA.com for that audio. I really appreciate it, of course. Um, and I'll be playing audio going into this next segment of the Tampa Bay Lightning winning their Stanley Cup final. Of course, that was a couple weeks ago. Last week, I didn't do anything about it as much because I had Caesar and James on the show, but I'll talk a little bit about it today. Not as much as basketball, but I'll still talk some NHL hockey right here, right quick, here on the 183rd episode of Monday Night Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festenstein. Be back in just a bit. Stay tuned. was Goodrow, and the Tampa Bay Lightning have won the Stanley Cup! And those are the sounds of the 2020 Stanley Cup champions, Tampa Bay Lightning, the first time they've won since 2004. Now, officially starting the 2020-2021, potentially 2021 offseason, we don't know how long this offseason is going to last either, of course, for the NBA and NHL, but uh, I can say one thing is NHL free agency is off to a very, very fast start. Um... First, before I get into free agency, talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Steven Stamkos, congratulations to that guy. Obviously, I, I pick and choose my one player out of each team that I really wish to win a Stanley Cup, and Stamkos was one of them. Of course, he had an injury and a very cool moment in Game 2, scoring a goal, coming off of an injury, but then did not play the rest of the series because of such injury. Um, but all of that aside, very happy to see... Um, him win uh some other guys like on on the stars i've wanted to win too but uh you know you got winners you got losers and that's the way of the game um and also here in free agency that's the way of the game too um so let's look at the goaltenders first because um i think the goaltenders are the biggest i would say market here in in this year's free agency and I know the Chicago Blackhawks haven't even taken advantage of it, even though they lost Corey Crawford, their number one goaltender, throughout the past seven years. Um, first off, Corey Crawford, best Chicago goalkeeper to win a Stanley, to win multiple Stanley Cups for the Blackhawks in history, because he's the only one who's, who's done it. And nothing but respect for the guy, and I hope nothing but the best for him. I remember watching him when he was playing for the AHL affiliate of the Blackhawks, the Rockford Ice Hogs, when I, you know, I'm a Chicago Wolves fan, and I watched Corey Crawford play, and I was like, this guy's going to be the next big thing for the Blackhawks, and of course he was, and who can forget his unbelievable performances in the in the NHL bubble. I mean, the way he played against um, Edmonton, and the couple games that he helped the Blackhawks win in his performances, also against the Vegas Golden Knights, that one win that the Blackhawks had against the Knights unbelievable performance um but that's not what the new jersey devils are going to get in Corey crawford um 
Signing a two-year deal for that. Here's some other notable goaltender movements here this offseason. Henrik Lundqvist, not a New York Ranger anymore, but staying in the Eastern Conference Metropolitan Division. Um, He will be going with the Washington Capitals, which um, reminds me of Bryce Harper moving to Philadelphia in the MLB. Um, This is kind of Henrik Lundqvist doing the same thing, moving within the Metropolitan Division to play for the Washington Capitals. I respect it because I think he has a chance now to win a Stanley Cup. That's the one goalie I think deserves to win a Stanley Cup, who is also, I would say, Hall of Fame worthy. Um, Another guy, Jacob Markstrom, signing with the Calgary Flames. And then here's three others. Devin Dubnik, uh, former Minnesota Wild, is now with the San Jose Sharks. Matt Murray, of course, we know him as as the only rookie goalie to win a Stanley Cup for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He did it twice. Um, and now hopefully maybe he could do it for the Ottawa Senators, as now he has signed a deal with them. Braden Holpe, former Stanley Cup champion, well still Stanley Cup champion if you may say, um, with the Washington Capitals. Now moving on to the Vancouver Canucks, who has yet to win a Stanley Cup in their franchise history. Um... I'm just going through the free agents uh, signs. Also, Anton Kudobin, huge, huge player for the Stars in terms of goalkeeping. This playoff signs a three-year contract with the Stars as well. Um, trying to look, I'm scrolling through the uh, list of free agent signings thus far, um, and it's really about goaltenders this year. Really, um, uh, let's look at the Blackhawks in particular here. Um, because I think that they're in the most trouble, if any, um, in terms of going downhill even more, if they can't go downhill anymore. Um, you got Dominic Kubelik, who I think is a very important piece to this Blackhawks offense, signing a two-year contract. Malcolm Subban signing a two-year contract. So I guess if the Blackhawks aren't aggressive in the goalie for agent market, that's the starting goalie, is Malcolm Subban. He's... He hasn't proven reliability. I think this is his chance to do so if he actually is indeed going to be the starting goaltender. But a lot of Blackhawks fans do not agree with that because Malcolm Subban hasn't really played a lot in the red, black, and white. Um, And then today, the Blackhawks just signed Mattias Janmark on a one-year contract. Um, I think the next big signing for the Blackhawks needs to be re-signing Dylan Strom. He's a part of this offense. He's been a part of it via a trade. He's a he's an important piece, and I think Blackhawks need to keep him. He's a good guy. Um, so we'll see. That really is it for Blackhawks free agent market. Um, Taylor Hall, huge signing for the Buffalo Sabres. I think the Buffalo Sabres are teeing off um, in this year's free agency. They got Taylor Hall, um, Brandon Montour. And uh, Cody Eakin resign. So, oh uh, well, Brandon the Mortour sign was a resign. The um, ah, scrolled away. Um, where did it go? There it is. Uh, Cody Eakin was just a uh, free agent signing, but that's those are huge signings for the Buffalo Sabers. I think they're the uh, they're the shadow they're the black shadow team this upcoming season. I think good things are to come from the Buffalo Sabers. Um, that's it. Um, let's let's look up. 
Because if the Blackhawks need a goalie, they need a... This is tough for the Blackhawks because, like, NHL goalie free agency is not easy. Um, let's look it up. So, 2020 free agents in goaltenders. Alrighty. So, here are the unsigned goaltenders that we can probably look into. Max Legacy, which... Actually, never mind. He uh, he signed with the Pittsburgh Pe- uh, Penguins. Um, I was about to say Pirates. Uh, yeah, Legacy used to be um, Legacy used to be a Chicago Wolf. That's why um, I named him. All right, here is uh, another I say option is Corey Schneider, former New Jersey Devils goaltender. Maybe do a little switch here. Corey Schneider of the Blackhawks. Corey Crawford. To the New Jersey Devils. We're just going to switch off Corey's here. Got Corey Schneider going to the Blackhawks. Corey Crawford going to the Jersey Devils. <laughs> That'll be actually kind of funny. We're just we're just switching off Corey's here for goaltenders. Um, Jimmy Howard is now a free agent at 36 years old. Uh, former Detroit goalkeeper. Um, now a free agent. Craig Anderson from Ottawa, of course. Michael Conton. Um, Ryan Miller, he's 40 years old though, so yeah, you know, yeah, if anyone's gonna sign him, it's gonna be a one year deal. Um, Zane Mackins hires an option at 29 years old. Um, Other than that, honestly, out of all these on the list, I'd go with Corey Schneider. Like I said, he's 34 years old. He's got some time left, and I would say, and I have, I have a little uh, th- um, theory here in terms of NHL goalkeeping. I I feel like the older you get as an NHL goalkeeper, if you don't get injured, the better you get because of all the experience and all the coordination you build up being a goalkeeper. I, I've just seen this in many goalkeepers down the line. I think Corey Crawford this um, past postseason was better than the Corey Crawford he saw in the postseason of 2015 and 2013. But just the Blackhawks team in and in itself wasn't good enough to win games. But Corey Crawford was just being an unbelievable goaltender. I've never seen him play like that. And he's getting older. Corey Crawford, how old is he right now? As I'm looking at the list. Um, Corey Crawford's 35. So that being said, he's getting better. So don't count out those those mid-30 guys. Um, so yeah. Uh, other than that, that's it really for hockey. I, I just want to talk about free agents for a little bit. We talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Didn't really do that as much, but I'm not really surprised that they won because they were kind of in first place all season. Same thing kind of applied to the LA Lakers. They they were kind of in first place all season. And they got the win. Um, so yeah. Now NBA and NHL are in the off season for the first time in October. And November. I'm going to be talking way more about this in future shows during this offseason, but my prediction is that the NBA comes back by Christmas and the NHL comes back early January with an outdoor game. I think that's what they should do an outdoor game, maybe do like a Winter Classic game to start off the season. I think that would be really cool. Another prediction is I don't think this is pandemic. 
is going to subside anytime soon, um, at least in the world. Because um, even if cases aren't going up, they're still going to be in a pandemic because we're kind of like... It, it all starts with one person, you know? You remember that. It all starts with one person and it spreads. So I think that the 2021 season for both the NBA and NHL are going to find success again in another bubble. I I think that obviously owners, presidents, etc. are going to be keeping a close eye in this pandemic starting right now, of course, because we got to start planning for the next season. But with the pace this free agent market's going in the NHL and we're waiting to see what happens in the NBA very soon, um... Hopefully, Anthony Davis comes to Chicago. I am praying for that. Um, depending on how fast NHL, NBA free agency goes, I think it's going to be very, very... I think it's going to help define how fast this upcoming season is going to come. I would say my prediction is an announcement's going to come within the next... Within the month. How about that? Within the month of October. How about that? It's October 12th, so... Maybe within the the month or like early November, give us an idea of what's the twenty twenty one season is going to look like for both the NBA and NHL. Okay, 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 okay. Time to go to the next segment. It is going to be MLB playoffs. That is one sport going on right now that is near its end. Now in the championship seasons series, respectively. So yeah, let's uh, get to it here on the 183rd episode of Monday Mass Sports Talk. See you soon. Stay tuned. Here we go with the next segment of the day here on the 183rd edition of Monday Matter Sports Talk. It is your host, Noah Festenstein, here on October 12th, 2020. That was our Larson, Ain't My Fault. The R3 Hab remix bringing me in here to the baseball segment of the day. It's going to be actually rather the shorter baseball segment than most because all I really kind of want to talk about is the championship series. Um, I mean, we got no Cubs. We got no White Sox, except we got big White Sox news today because the White Sox just fired their manager, Rick Renteria, and also just announced that Ozzy Guillen is not a candidate to be in uh, a, a White Sox head coach, even though Chance the Rapper tweeted saying they want Ozzy Guillen back, which I found to be kind of funny. But regardless, um, you know, Chance, you're not the top White Sox fan. You're the top rapper, but you're not the top White Sox fan. Neither am I, which is why I'm not confident as to who the White Sox are going to pick next, but um, we had a good idea of what it was like last week's show when Cesar Sanchez, um, former co-host who is a White Sox fan, was talking about the next options for White Sox head coach. If you want to listen to that, go back to next week's episode for 182. You'll be able to listen to that. Um, It was a great conversation talking about White Sox uh, with Caesar there. Um, but I'm not going to get into much detail because I don't really know much about the options the White Sox have for managers, but I will say that it was the right move to take away Rick Renneria. Ever since the White Sox clinched a playoff spot, it, it, it fell 
the, the entire season fell to the ground. You know, losing like what? The last eight out of the ten games. Um, didn't really that play that well in the playoffs. They only only won one game. I can say the same thing for the Cubs, but they're not going to fire David Ross, are they? They just hired him. <laughs> so Rick Renneria apparently isn't enough for this White Sox organization, and now he's gone. So my take on the White Sox then is um, they shouldn't move any pieces they have now. I think this team has come together very well. They've uh, they've now understood how to win. Now their culture needs to ch- shift a little bit, you know, with a new coach, new style of play, new approach. I think that's going to help this White Sox team, regardless of who the, the coach is going to be. Rick Renneria has exactly what he did with the Chicago Cubs. It wasn't a good approach. It just wasn't a major league approach, for that matter. And Yes, the White Sox had a lot of talent this year. A lot of great things happened, but it wasn't because of Rick Renneria. It's because of the talent the White Sox have. And then when it comes down to playing really good teams in the playoffs, it comes down to coaching. And the the coaching decisions that Rick Renneria made in Game 3 against the Athletics, the, the amount of pitchers that he threw in, it was unacceptable. You don't do that in a playoff game. You, you, you use all your pitchers, and first of all, the bullpen's not even that great for the White Sox. It's not. And... Um, you know, same thing for the Cubs is that their bullpen's not even that great, but yet it's about how you use it, and if you don't use it properly, they're just not going to be playing properly. So, yeah, um, I guess that's um, is that for White Sox uh, big news this morning, and I would give it a couple weeks before we really get a good idea of who this next candidate can be um so yeah uh let's move to the alcs and nlcs last night the tampa bay rays beating the wretched houston astros oh man i wrote it's like the whole country against houston right now you're not you're probably not like the the percentage of tampa bay fans compared to just fans that want to see the astro lose is astronomical you don't see many Tampa Bay Rays fans, but now we're all Tampa Bay Rays fans. And they got the win last night, 2-1. to one. So uh, looking forward to a nice game tonight. Let's see who the, who the little pitching matchups are, shall we? So um, pitching matchups uh, are ALC. I'll just type in ALCS. Why not? Um, so tonight we got game two, Astros... It says 8 a.m. on Google, and that's very wrong. It's 8 p.m., I would assume. If it was 8 a.m., the game would have already been probably over by now. Um, So I'm interested to see who comes in to pitch. Yeah, screw it. I'll go on my phone because my phone's a little bit more reliable when it comes to pitching matchups. Um... Because I know Bueller and it should be Fires, as I mentioned earlier, uh, for the Braves Dodgers. Yep. Or why did I say Fires? Fried, freed, fried. Man, my brain is fried over this name. It's freed. Mmm. F bomb. I almost dropped it. Ah. Yeah. Freed. I said Fryers, Fryers earlier today, and that's embarrassing. Okay. So, I don't know what Google's doing, 
It's telling me 8 a.m., but now my MLB app is telling me 3.07, which sounds a bit more correct. So my brain is just fried right now. Get it? Fried? Ha. Um, Astros and <laughs> McCullers versus Morton. That's a good matchup. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then you got Fried versus Bueller in the other matchup. Tomorrow... Tomorrow times are actually to be determined, but we got the pitching matchup for NLCS Game 2. It's going to be Anderson and Kershaw. I think this uh, Braves-Dodgers series is going to go seven games. I think this Astros-Rays game is going to go six with the Rays winning. Um, Because I think this Dodgers-Rays series is going to be competitive, but I think the Dodgers are going to pull it off. It's going to be Dodgers and Rays, as I predicted earlier in episode 181, I believe. I predicted this World Series. The only thing that I predicted wrong was the Astros being in the ALCS. I had uh, Rays and Athletics in the ALCS, but of course the Astros had to spoil the party there. Being an under 500 team, I don't know how an under 500 team has reached the ALCS, but of course in a 60-game season, anything is possible. Um, So yeah, uh, those are my predictions for the ALCS and NLCS. As... Drop my mic. Uh, as as I mentioned, I, I don't think there's a lot, a lot to talk about in baseball today. Um, other than big news for the White Sox and Rick Renneria getting fired. How about the Chicago Cubs? You know, What do I think about Chicago Cubs this offseason? What do they do? I think they need to bolster their bullpen. Um, I think they need to trade away Chris Bryant. If anyone's a trade piece, it's got to be Chris Bryant, former MVP. He's had some injuries this year. I don't know if the Chicago Cubs are right for him. And he's got a year left on his contract. He's trade bait. Same thing goes for Kyle Schwarber. I think he's trade bait too. Get some bullpen arms in there. Um, and then start produ- start developing some new prospects. I'm really looking back at that Jose Quintana trade for Eloy Jimenez. Imagining Eloy Jimenez and even Dylan C is still, still here at Chicago Cubs. Eloy Jimenez being a Chicago Cub and still having depth in that lineup. That would have been so good. But no, of course, Jose Quintana, the injured prone Jose Quintana now, um, is all we got to show for that trade. Um, besides that, I think the Cubs are in a position where. They're at uh, a very high risk of now losing all of that mojo they've built up the past five years, of course, with the World Series in 2016 and constant playoff appearances. Now the Cubs are, I feel like, on the downfall. The White Sox are on the come up. You know, when, when the Cubs got their new coach and Joe Madden in 2015, immediately, just like that, things changed. So this White Sox team is a... I think this White Sox team is more than capable of getting that done. Um, speaking of Joe Man, what a terrible first year he had um, in terms of just performance. Uh, let's look at the record. I think it was like a bad record if I was correct. Um, yeah, the Angels are 26-34. and 34. Not as bad as I thought it was going to be, but uh, still kind of bad. Um at least they had a good home record, 16 and 15. Um, but yeah, Joe Madden, first season as a Los Angeles Angel, could not get it done, even with the expanded playoffs. Um, so yeah, 
that's it. I think that should be good for baseball today. Because um, we're already, what, 47 minutes into the show right now? And feeling it. Having a good show so far. And a couple more segments to go here. Um, the next segment is going to be NFL Week 5 action. Going to talk about the Chicago Bears, Dot Bears, and some highlights from this past week, this past Sunday. And you got some more, I would say, waiting. Got a game tonight, and you got a game tomorrow night. First time I've seen a Tuesday football game in forever. So we're seeing a lot of new things this season, and I'm all here for it. Here on the 183rd edition of Monday Madness Sports Talk. I'll see you guys soon. Stay tuned. Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festenstein, here for the 183rd episode of Monday Mass Sports Talk, October 12, 2020. This is a Dragons, whatever it takes, the Odd Cube and our condo remix. Alrighty, it is time to get into... NFL Week 5 action. Before I get into some Chicago Bears discussion, let's go through some of the notables. As uh, my mic just almost dropped again. Uh, Some notables here from this past week. Uh, Let's start off with the Texans and Jaguars. Texans winning 30-14. Ravens all over Cincinnati 27-3. Panthers and Falcons. Panthers winning that one. And... um, I believe Falcons head coach has been fired. So they fired Dan Quinn um, right here at this point of the season after losing to the Carolina Panthers, who I think has been a surprise 3-2 team this year. However, I'm a little surprised based on this 0-5 start that when the Falcons lost a couple weeks ago to the Chicago Bears for the second straight week, giving up a 15-plus point lead that Quinn did not get fired right there and then because um, this team just does not seem like a team that can hold a lead for their life so Dan Quinn fired here for the Atlanta Falcons today just as well Rick Renneria for the Chicago White Sox um, I don't know why I mentioned that but I'm happy about the Rick Renneria's the Rick Renneria firing for the White Sox um, now let's continue here with NFL Week 5 action here um we saw the Giants and Cowboys get after it, and Cowboys winning on a game-winning field goal, 37-34, but that's not the story of that game. The big story of that game was Dak Prescott coming down off of a tackle, two guys coming in on him, and he rolled his ankle in the way that nobody uh, in this world would want to roll it, breaking it. I don't know if it was um, a punctured fracture in which it goes through the skin, but I you can't see it through the sock. That's what happens to Alex Smith, who I'm going to be talking about actually very soon when we talk about the Washington football team. Um, but my heart goes out to Dak Prescott. What an awful injury that was last uh, and, and yesterday's game. Um, definitely season-ending and definitely uh, a setback for this Cowboys team that hopes to at least make Dak Prescott a franchise quarterback. Um, and injuries like this is part of the game. 
and a lot of NFL players are actually kind of getting together on this on Twitter and talking about it, obviously wishing Dak Prescott the best, and I love that about this league and how they can get together on that, but they all agree on one thing, is that injuries are a part of the sport, any sport for that matter, and it's the toughest part about it, and it really shows how tough you are. So with that being said... Speaking of how tough one can be, let's talk about Alex Smith. Um, 2018, Smith goes down with a leg injury, and 632 days later, yesterday now, he plays in an NFL game in which we actually thought that he would never even be able to walk again, or even that, live. The story with Alex Smith's leg from 2018 is, I would say... In my book, top five comeback stories of all time in sports in terms of individual comebacks. Alex Smith comes down with probably the worst leg injury in all of, all of NFL history. Breaking his leg, his tibia, for that matter, which is terrible. Um, puncturing through the skin under the sock so you couldn't really see it on TV. Um, it disfigured his leg. Alex Smith was brought to the hospital. 17 surgeries later throughout a span of a year and a half goes to rehab, military rehab. So, like, military rehab is different than regular rehab because military rehab is, like, you get an arm blown off or you get something like like you can't walk again or you're paralyzed or something. That's what Alex Smith went through. And just like that, he's back on a football field. Um, I think one of the best comeback stories ever. Um, And the reason why I forgot to mention Alex Smith was about... death was a factor in this because the severity of that leg injury was so bad that it created a bacterial infection within the tissue of his leg that could have spread through the body and obviously doctors recognized that right away and considered the possibility of even amputating his leg which is insane and if he gets to that point and then end up playing a football game within 500 days later than that is insane that's insane um his family was there at the game yesterday supporting him it was a very emotional moment i posted that moment on my snapchat or my instagram for that matter um very awesome stuff there um alex smith also what a great guy he is you know what he said on the hospital table to his wife he's like uh even though what he's going through right now uh, this is what he said. I was watching the documentary on it, and I thought this was unbelievable. Alex Smith said to his wife on the hospital bed, other people are going through worse right now. We should be blessed with what we're going through right now and all the care that we're doing. Nothing but positivity. That is Alex Smith in a nutshell for you because you know how positive he is. He, you know how, how He knows his worth, first of all. If you know your worth as a player, as even as a person for that matter, you can go places because you can put yourself in front of others and say, hey, I deserve to be in this position. And Alex Smith deserves to be in that position because he, he's a three-time pro bowler. He got traded a couple times. He's kind of been on the bad side of a couple trades and not really to his uh, going to the Washington Redskins at the time now the Washington football team of course um, is that he's been through all that 
and is still being so positive about his outlook. And now that I think is that I honestly think that is the reason why he's in the football f- field right now is that positivity by Alex Smith. So to continue the scores from yesterday, LA Rams, of course, beating Washington Redskins. I just thought it was really cringeworthy to watch Alex Smith return in the middle of that game against Aaron Donald. And guess what happened in the first play? He gets tapped by Aaron Donald. And my heart just stops. When I see him get tackled by one of the best defenseman linemen in the game, um, my heart just stopped. I was super scared about Alex Smith in that moment. I was like, no, please, don't do it again. Oh, man, what a guy that is. Much respect to that man. One of the best comeback stories of all time. Let's continue with some more scores here. The Dolphins clobbering the 49ers 43-17. Colts and Browns. Browns being the Colts 32-23. Seahawks and Vikings. What a game that was yesterday for Sunday Night Football. Um, DK Metcalf didn't show up in the first half, but then second half, huge couple of receptions off the hands of Russell Wilson. I think Metcalf might be very well his favorite receiver. My favorite receiver because he's on one of my fantasy teams. But regardless... DK Metcalf, huge play in the end zone at the end of the game on a fourth and eight. They were going for the end zone with 17 seconds left, and boy, oh boy, did they succeed. DK Metcalf helping the Seahawks come back against the Vikings to win 27-26. Tonight, we got a game between the Chargers and Saints. Oh, I forgot to mention a couple other games. My bad, my bad, my bad. Cardinals and Jets. Cardinals winning 30-10. DeAndre Hopkins, what a catch he had off the hands of Kyler Murray in that touchdown. It was a huge touchdown catch. Raiders and Chiefs, what a game that was. Josh Jacobs, a couple touchdowns. Um, so, a good, good game on that. 40-32, Kansas City Chiefs getting their first loss of the season. Um, and I think... Is that it? Am I wrong? Uh, yeah, I've already mentioned Panthers and Falcons. Yeah, and I did not mention the Bears and Buccaneers yet, but I will get that in a second. Chargers and Saints tonight at 7-15. Uh, I got the Saints winning that one. They're at home, and they got a lot of weapons offensively. I just don't. I just think that's going to be a little overwhelming for the Chargers there. Titans and Bills tomorrow. After many, many positive cases for the Bills, or I'm sorry, for the Titans, um, they are now back here playing against the Bills at home. A good matchup for the Bills as they are still undefeated. Uh, hopefully, to continue that against the other undefeated team in the Tennessee Titans. Um, Okay, so talk about them Bears. The Bears winning on Thursday night by a score of 20-19. Cairo Santos, the game-winning field goal at the end there, and then a great couple of defensive stops uh, to help seal the win for the Bears, the fourth win of the season. 4-1 now the record for the Chicago Bears. Uh, I said it last week with James that the Bears are the worst Four or three at the time, they were three and one, or yeah, whatever, three and one. The worst three and one team I've ever seen in my life. Well, they're still winning, and that's what matters, right? Winning. And they aren't winning in glamorous fashions, and all the games they've won have been closed games, but winning is winning. I'll accept it as such. Um, Bears defense bared down, only giving up one touchdown, a few uh, field goals, and that's it. And the Bears really shutting out Tom Brady, frustrating Tom Brady, who thought it was fourth down that last play. I don't know what the heck that happened there. Uh, but Cleo Mack, two sacks, nearly three there. 
A um, couple of huge defensive plays. Cleo Mack is my player of the game, of course, for that one. I also got my Cleo Mack jersey in the mail, and I'm really happy about that. So I got my Mack jersey, and I'm super happy about that. Um, so, yeah, Bears, 4-1. and one. And they got a matchup next week against the Carolina Panthers on the road. And that is a hugely winnable game for the Bears. I, I don't see any other excuse why the Bears cannot win that game against the Panthers. Uh, other than that, because yeah, they, they only have Christian McCaffrey on that team right now. Um, other than that, that's it. Packers had a bye week. They're going to be pay, facing off against the Buccaneers next week. So, yeah, and then the, the Patriots game was postponed, I believe, until next week. So, um, to kind of kind of finalize my football discussion here, because um, we got all these coronavirus cases going on, and that's kind of what happened at the beginning of the NBA, and it, actually NHL didn't have any cases. NBA season, for that matter, they recovered. So I'm interested to see how the NFL recovers, but if they don't recover that well... Should we consider a postponement of the season? I think that's a possibility. If this coronavirus positive tests get out of hand, I would consider that to be a possibility. So, uh, yeah, that is it for football. Um, I think biggest story this week was the Alex Smith story and, of course, Dak Prescott going down with an ankle injury. He had a, uh, a surgery last night. Prayers up for Dak Prescott. I, would, I hate to see it, um, a player go down like that. It's not fun. It's not ideal, and it's just not natural. I, I mean, yes, it's natural for players to get injured, but it's just not a natural way to see a career go down. Um, and I hope that Des- Dak Prescott's career is not over. And our med- uh, just medicine and medical practices nowadays in this in our in our world has done so well that. You cannot. I mean, we saw what happened with Alex Smith. The guy was about to get his leg amputated, and now he's back on a football field 600 days later. So, Dak Prescott, I only wish the best for you. Um, and yeah, go from there. And it is pouring outside where I'm at right now. I am in my room in Arlington Heights, Illinois. I'm just chilling, man. I, I, I like I said earlier in the show, I just haven't recorded in my room in a very long time, and I'm just sitting back. Looking out the window, kind of like enjoying myself. It's raining. I don't know about you guys, but I love the rain. Uh, I'm a rain. I mean, yeah, sun is nice now and now and then most times, but something about rain. It's just when it rains, it's just this is aroma. Not a, aroma is a smell. That was a wrong word. It's just this vibe you get from rain. It's not sad for me. It's like reassurance. You know, like rain dropping. Reassurance that we got water in this world. That it's coming back down. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, but yeah, I love rain. I love thunderstorms. If you ever like sit through a thunderstorm. It's like relaxing to me. When I'm inside during a thunderstorm, I know I'm safe. And, like that reassurance of knowing I'm safe during a thunderstorm. And I get to witness it inside it's just something about that makes me love thunderstorms i don't know man i don't know i'm being kind of weird right now so i'm just gonna go to the next segment here 
on the 183rd edition of Monday Mass Sports Talk. Uh, I'm going to lead into the next segment with uh, an audio clip from this past fight night for UFC. Um, it was a knockout. Um, yeah, before I get into the next segment, I want to talk about it. Oh, my God. I don't know. KO of the year. There's three KOs of the year that I have in mind. It was... and. Two of them, I think, was from UFC 251. Cody Garbrandt knocking out Rafael Ansukayo, and then Sean O'Malley knocking out um, my dummy. Uh, and yeah, Sean O'Malley's knockout on uh, Wide Wyland, Chris Wyland, whatever Wineland. Yeah, whatever was the name. But yeah, that knockout was also the not three top three knockouts. And then this knockout we saw this past night. Wasn't from a notable fighter, but a fighter that I think should now be seen as a threat. Um, let's talk about it here. And this next segment coming up on the 183rd edition of Monday Man of Sports Talk. Let's get it going here with UFC coming up right quick. They are so even on total strikes at the moment. Oh! Jump, spinning, back kick. And he's up already. It's good to see that Kasanganai is already responsive because that was about as clean of a spinning back kick to the jaw as you can get. Let's take another look at this. Welcome back to Monday Mass Sports Talk. This is your host, Noah Festenstein, bringing you into the last segment of the day today. This is Post Malone. Over now, the Lux Life Remix. Here on the 183rd edition of Monday Mass Sports Talk, October 12, 2020. What you just heard was courtesy of the UFC Probably the best knockout I've seen in a very long time. I would say knockout of the year by far. And I already thought I saw the knockout of the year. I didn't think I was going to see anything else. But at middleweight, you saw Impa Kans... I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Kasanganya. It's K-A-S-A-N-G-A-N-A-Y. Kasanganai. I don't know. I'll, I'll, his name is Impa. I'm going to call him Impa. Okay, against uh, Joaquin Buckley. So Joaquin Buckley um, coming into this fight. This is a pre. It's a prelim fight. So I, I, I'm not watching this fight. I'm, I'm here for the highlights. And boy, did he deliver in this highlight! Oh my God, let me explain it. So this knockout. I'm gonna explain it from point A to point Z here. So midway through the second round. It was about an even fight. Same striking numbers, etc. It's just that one moment will basically define the entire fight. And this is what that moment was. So, Impa catches a leg kick coming in from Buckley. And 
based on that catch of the right leg, or it was a left leg kick, catches the left leg. So I'm trying to, I might have to stand up and do it myself. But Buckley's left leg, he's balancing on his right. After his leg gets caught, spins off of his right leg, jumping, spinning right head kick, flush. I I, 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 I I just don't know. I don't know how that was possible. The balance, the accuracy, the power, all of that put together in this knockout. It was also through a block, too. Like, Impa saw it kind of coming. He put up his right arm as he saw that right spinning leg kick and still got knocked out from it. It was insane. Like... I remember watching it for the first time. I looked at the highlight, and I was like, I screamed. I was like, what? What? How did he do that? Um, so, left leg gets caught, comes up, spinning right hand, right leg, flush on the jaw. I'm, I'm, I, as we're, I'm speaking about it right now, I'm looking at the replay. Oh, that was disgusting. 50k right away. I don't care what happens the rest of the night. That's 50k. Also, um, we're talking about this fight night. It was Marias and Sandhagen. Sandhagen coming off of his loss against um, uh, Algermain Sterling via submission. That was his last fight, and that was the fight night where it was about the Bantamweights where Cody Garbrandt got his badass knockout against Rafael Ansucano. Ansucano, and then um, you also saw the knockout by... um, Sean O'Malley against Eddie Wineland, which is unbelievable. Um, so let's look at some of the notables from this past fight night. It was a UFC Fight Island 5, um, as it was fight night. Tom Breeze coming back, his first win in a very long time against KB Bueller. I've never heard of that name. Uh, let's look at the main card here now. Um... I, I, I've never heard of this heavyweight as much very, very, very often, but Tom Aspinall, he's 9-2 and two against Alan Bodout, who was 8-2. and two. Um, Tom Aspinall coming in from Liverpool. Um, he's, he's, I think he's the hot, I think he's in top five hot prospects in terms of heavyweights because um, he put on a fantastic performance, got a round one knockout, one minute, 35 in. He's got power. Uh, he used to be a boxer, actually. A boxer turned into a UFC fighter, so his boxing skills are second to none. And as a heavyweight, that's very important. He also got a takedown in that fight, so showing off some of his wrestling. So looking out for Tom Aspinall now. That's a name that I'm going to start talking about now. Um, he said in his post-fight interview that he wants... He want, he he feels like he's young. He feels like he's, he's got a lot to learn, so he's going to take the fights as they come. Bought it accepted that fight on like eight days notice so that definitely plays dividends because Aspinall was supposed to fight someone else I forgot who the guy, guy's name was but he, he's now going to fight him I, he wants him next now since he he feels like there's unfinished business um, but yeah here's another middleweight fight Marcus Perez against Dricas Du Plessis Plessis the South African getting that win by knockout in the first round so two straight first round knockouts and then we thought that um, in the next fight the heavyweight matchup between Ben Rothwell and Marcin Tabura. Tabura um, dominating that fight. 
especially in the later rounds, um, giving him the unanimous decision, not the unanimous decision, just, it was unanimous, I think it was 29-28 all around, um, Rothwell losing that fight, Rothwell not happy about it, he actually left the octagon before the decision was made because he knew what the decision was going to be. Um, Featherweight co-main event, Edson Barboza and Makwan Amir Khani. Great fight right there. I thought it was a fun fight to watch. Edison Barboza, I think he's old, but he's still got it. He's still got it. And he wants a title shot, apparently. I don't think he deserves that at the moment. He needs at least one or two more fights before he can actually enter the featherweight fight. And Alexander Volkanovsky, of course, is the holder of that belt. And Max Holloway is still in the mix for that. Now, Edson Barboza is another name for that. And he gets the win by decision. Corey Sandhagen. And Marlon Marias, the Bantamweight main event. First time Corey Sanhagen was in a main event bout. Regardless of his last fight against Aljamain Sterling being a loss, comes up big time. I would say another performance of the night bonus for this knockout. A spinning head kick for Corey Sanhagen in the second round knocks out Marlon Marias. Marias even beat Aljamain Sterling. So when you think about the Bantamweight um, rankings now, Sanhagen's top five obviously, and he's going to want a guy, he's top three, he's going to want a guy like Algermine Sterling or the winner of the Bantamweight fight between him and Peter Yan, and then I think um, it was supposed to be Cody Garbrandt before Sterling, but Garbrandt's hurt, so now Sterling's going to fill in for that title shot, which is good for Sterling because he thinks he deserves it, I think he deserves it, let's see how he performs against Peter Yan, who I think... I don't think he's going to hold the belt that long. Peter Yan doesn't seem like a consistent fighter to me. So when I'm looking at this Bantamweight weight class now for the UFC is I don't think I, I don't think Peter Yan is capable of holding that belt much longer. So let's look at uh, UFC Fight Night. This upcoming Saturday night, UFC Fight Island 6, Ortega versus the Korean Zombie. This is a fight that we've been waiting for for so Long It has been canceled. It has due to the pandemic, and it's been canceled again. But now we have it as a featherweight main event. This is going to be a five-round fight. This is supposed to be a five-round fight. This is no other choice for this fight. Got Brian Ortega and Chan Sung Jung, otherwise known as the Korean Zombie. 14-1 Brian Ortega is. 16-5 is the Korean Zombie. Both of those guys are looking for a, um, a chance to... Um, Obviously, a, a, a chance for the title. I was talking about Edson Barboza being a featherweight chance, but now we got two other featherweights in Brian Ortega and the Korean Zombie um, to kind of fulfill other holes that are that are in this featherweight division. So this fight upcoming, this upcoming weekend is going to define a lot for this featherweight division with this fight between Brian Ortega and the Korean Zombie. Huge fight there. Another couple notable fights. Heavyweight co-main event. Cyril Gagne against Ante D'Elia. Um, only three losses combined, and that's D'Elia at three losses. 6-0 is Gagne. I haven't really heard much of these fighters. I'm not sure why it's a co-main event, but I guess it's supposed to be a good fight. Another great fight. You got Caitlin Kokagan against Jessica Andrade. I don't know how that's not the co-main event, but it's a women flyweight event in the main card. You got a light heavyweight matchup between Jimmy Crute. And Modestus Ba... Why are UFC names so hard to pronounce? Modestus Bukoskus. I think I got that one right. 
And then a featherweight fight between Thomas Almeida and Jonathan Martinez. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Another, as a, I think the best preliminary card bot would be the welterweight fight between Claudio Silva and James Krause. But other than that, that's it for this upcoming fight night. Yep. And then, of course, I got you. I got another show before UFC 254 to talk about it. But the stats card on October 24th starts at 1 p.m. It's a fight day, not a fight night. It's Khabib Nurmagomedov and Justin Gaethje, the light uh, lightweight main event championship for the unanimous champion of the world, unified, whatever you call it. Middleweight co-main event now. Got Robert Whitaker and Jared Cannonier at middleweight. Heavyweight, Alexander Volkov against Waltz Harris. I'm hoping Waltz Harris can come back against Volkov in this fight. That'll be a huge comeback for Waltz Harris. Lightweight, Islam Makachev and Rafael Dos Anjos. Women flyweight, Cynthia Calvillo and Lauren Murphy. And then you got light heavyweight, Magomed Ankalaev and Ian Kutilava, a fight that has been cursed for a while and that needs to continue again and again and again. Okay, so that's it. That's UFC. Obviously, I got UFC 254 to talk about more in the next show. UFC Fight Night is going to be following that week. It's going to be Uriah Hall and Anderson Silva. That's going to be another good fight. And you got another one, UFC Fight Night. Um, Santos versus uh, Thiago Santos versus Glover Teixeira at light heavyweight. All right. That's it. Yeah, that's today's show. Yeah. Yeah, we did it. Yeah. All right. Pulled it off in my room today. That's nice. (sighs) That was a nice show, wasn't it? It was fun. I'm just stretching, kind of dying down the last moments of the show here. Come on, guys. All my listeners, stretch with me. We made it. We did it. The 183rd edition of Monday Man of Sports Talk here on October 12th, 2020. It's been an absolute pleasure hanging out with you guys today. And as always here on Monday Man of Sports Talk, I should have a show either next week. I, I mean, I would hope it's next week because we got UFC 254 to talk about. So next week, got a show maybe a little shorter next week. I know I said every other week, which is still a possibility, but I've been finding a system for me to be able to find time to prepare and record my shows So, yeah, that is that. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will see you all next week for episode 184.